3: heads bow down, we we'll
4: here on to sing this all the way. Yeah. Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. For those of you who don't know about the show, the show's in two parts, not equal parts. The first part of the show, we talk about estate planning and elder law, and the idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going through court, avoiding probate, and as far as elder law is concerned, trying to save assets from nursing home bills. The second part of the show, we talk about history, politics, religion. Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about politics and religion with Father Paul, who's back from the Middle East, and he's got a few comments.
1: Hooray! He's back safe and sound.
4: That's my wife, Beth, for those of you who don't know her voice. And we're also going to be talking to a filmmaker about justice Clarence Thomas and the documentary on his life which i strongly recommend that you go see and i remember i've i've heard justice thomas speak twice and you can tell when you see him speak in person a very thoughtful sincere man and beth did you did you see him speak at the a few years back
1: i surely did he's you know he's not somebody that is flashy he um, when he speaks it's it's with it's with worth reverence when he talked about his childhood and all the people that, and his childhood was difficult and all the people that helped him along the way. You know, I think a lot of us today, me included are people that forget to be grateful, thankful. He's not, he, he is grateful for all the people all along the way that helped him get through the hard times. I think, I think the world could, use a whole lot more gratitude and boy he's a good person to to be our um an example for that
4: okay now we have some of our staff here from Connors and Sullivan Danielle introduce yourself where'd you go to law school
1: hello um I went to law school in uh
4: Pace Law School in White Plains Westchester and I went to undergraduate in St.
5: John's University in Queens
4: okay and how long have you been with Connors and Sullivan
5: it'll be two years in April all right, and who else is here? Hi, my name is Kristen. Um, I work at the Medicaid Department here at Connors & Sullivan, um, and I have been here for two years as of November.
4: Let me ask you this. What When you say the Medicaid Department, well, maybe we'll do it this way. There's a question. We got an email. Can you read the question for, for the audience?
5: Absolutely. Dear Mr. Connors, I need help. I did an appeal for my dad to receive more hours via Medicaid. Medicaid denied his request for more hours. My dad is 95 years old and his health is declining. What can I do to get him the care he needs? This is from Jill.
4: Not to put you on the stock, Kristen, but could you answer that question?
5: Sure. This is something that's been happening a lot more often than it has in many, many years. Um, So make sure that you exhaust all of the appeals through the managed Long-Term Care Company. Speak to your case manager, you know, um, make sure that you have doctor's letters just proving that dad really needs these hours. And then once you exhaust all those appeals, you know, if worst case scenario is going to be that you would have to go into a fair hearing.
4: What exactly is a fair hearing?
5: So a fair hearing is a administration department where you go and you plead your case of needing more hours and um, you're in front of an administrative judge as well as stating your case to the managed long-term care company. And then from there, that's when they would render decision on whether or not you are going to be approved those hours or not.
4: And in a lot of cases, the squeaky wheel gets oiled. Don't take no for an answer and you got a good shot of getting the hours you need. Daniela, you have a question in front of you? Yes, I do. Okay, the question is Hi, Mike. I have a family member who has been helping out with dad's care at home. If we apply for Medicaid, can she still continue to assist in dad's care? Thank you. This question is from Mark. Okay, well, Mark, yes, but of course, there are a couple of other things. The home care worker has to be legally authorized to work in the United States. And that's one of the few questions you are allowed to ask in today's world. I mean, you can't ask somebody if they've been arrested. You can't ask somebody if they have a criminal record. But you can ask them, are you legally authorized to work in the United States? What does that mean? They have a social security number we can use for employment. Also, assuming they don't have a criminal record, they're over 18, they can be not necessarily certified, but they can be approved to apply for home care, Medicaid, for your dad's care. There's some very good programs there. You can get paid $15 an hour, but you get good medical, workers' comp, disability, Social Security is all taken care of. And, you know, in some cases, you couldn't put a set set aside twenty five dollars an hour to give them the package of benefits that they get through Medicaid. Now, yes, it's on the books, you know, and I, I know some home care workers, they don't like to work on the books, but I, I'm going to give this as some advice as a practical matter. You really do not want to hire somebody off the books long range, even short range, but you certainly don't want to hire somebody off the books long range. Too many things can can go wrong. One, you're breaking the law, which is never a good thing to do. You could get fined by the Department of Labor. The person could get injured or sick, and then you've got no workers' comp or disability in place. It's just not a good situation. So if you're you're in that situation, think about Medicaid. Medicaid will put them on the books, workers' comp, disability, Social Security, medical will be all taken care of. It may not be as easy as I just made it sound, but it's available. So if you if you want to get the right advice, give us a call at Connors and Sullivan We'll try to you know, guide you through the system. All right. Now, each week, Kevin McCullough takes one of our listeners' phone calls, asks on behalf of his listeners on his show, you can hear Kevin McCullough Monday through Friday at 3 o'clock on WMCA The Mission, Monday through Friday, 3 o'clock, WMCA The Mission 570, and also on 970 The Answer at 5 o'clock Monday through Friday. He has an extra hour with John Katsimatidis on Wednesdays. So take it away, Kevin.
3: Hi, Kelly McCullough. A new year is just around the corner, and you know what that means. It is going to, uh, uh, everything about it. it's going to obsess your time and energy. Do you have what you need to have done in case something happened to you that your family would be taken care of? It's one of the most important things that uh, Connors and Sullivan deal with in their uh, client relationships. And every week, Mike Connors has been answering your questions right here. And, Mike, this week's question comes from uh, Catherine. She said, my husband died last year. We did not have children together. Can his children from a previous marriage contest my will? Mike Connors. Well,
4: again, that's a quick, simple answer. The answer is no. Children of your spouse cannot contest your will. Only a person who is either married to you or a descendant of your parents can contest your will.
3: So uh, she's got nothing to worry about. But if she did have uh, someone take a look at it uh, to make sure that if, if there were uh, – because I know that second marriages and, and those types of things sometimes do prevent uh, present more problems.
4: Oh, yeah, there's no question about that. And a couple, when both members of the couple are alive, should probably put a plan in place, you know, so there's a clear division because a lot of times – you know, husband and wife, they have everything joint. Husband dies, wife takes all the assets, she leaves it all to her children and doesn't mention her predeceased husband's children. And the question is is that what you want, or do you want an agreement, a trust agreement, or something clearly dividing the assets between the respective families?
3: Yeah. Uh, Friends, if you've got any question at all about your situation, you need to call uh, Connors and Sullivan. Uh, They've got friendly people. They're ready to help you. Standing by right now, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. And you can also send your questions to askmikeconnors at gmail.com. He will answer them here on Kevin McCullough Radio and also on his own broadcast, Saturday mornings at 8 o'clock on AM 570, The Mission. And, of course, on AM 970, The Answer, Sunday mornings at 11 and uh, Mike Connors, as always, thanks so much.
4: Thank you, Kevin. Thank you again to Kevin. All right. Now, we're going to take a short break. On the other side of the break, we're going to ask answer one more estate planning question. And then later in the show, we're going to talk to Michael Pack, who's got a documentary on about Clarence Thomas, and then father paul back from the middle east you're listening to ask the lawyer with me mike Connors.
0: whether you need help with drafting a will or trust power of attorney health care proxy living will or protecting your assets from nursing home costs connor's and sullivan's goal is always the protection of your rights and interests the professionals at connor's and sullivan have been helping people like you plan their estates and protect their families for over 30 years i'm mike connor's come to our office for a free initial
4: consultation Talk with me or one of our experienced attorneys to see how we can help you protect your family, your assets, and your legacy. There is no one strategy that fits everyone, but the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is no planning at all.
0: Call Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law today to schedule a free initial consultation with an attorney at any of their convenient locations in Brooklyn, Midtown Manhattan, Queens, and Staten Island. 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Or visit their website. Connors and I
6: think I just found myself believing that I didn't need God. I just had everything under control and church was actually a, a burden to me.
1: I might have gone to church you know at Christmas time, gradually quit going.
7: No, I didn't take my faith seriously which, which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. You can
6: have a beautiful car, a big fancy home, If you don't have Christ in your life, there's an emptiness that's there.
2: We are enslaved to power or to greed or to wealth or to lust, especially as a man. But there's a true freedom to not be enslaved, but to attach ourselves to God and to be free. Thank God I'm
1: home. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. There's
3: peace in our home that we didn't have before.
1: You're coming home
0: to a Catholic family where people today just embrace you.
1: If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org
0: today. Do you have somewhere to sleep? Did you eat today? Are you making ends meet? For thousands of New Yorkers, the answer is no. For children and youth, adults, seniors, people struggling with addiction or mental illness, and for the isolated, Catholic Charities of Brooklyn and Queens is there. With 160 programs and more than 4,500 units of affordable housing, Catholic Charities is one of the largest multi-service charitable organizations in the nation. We help change lives and build communities. If you or someone you know needs assistance, call 718-722-6001 or visit CCB welcome back to ask the lawyer with mike connors welcome back to ask the lawyer with me mike
4: connors again this show's about estate planning and elder law then we talk politics history religion Today, after our next question, we're going to take a short break. And from there, we're going to listen to Michael Pack talk about his documentary on Clarence Thomas. And then we're going to talk to Father Paul, who's, you know, back from the Middle East. And he's got some thoughts about the political crisis over there. But, Daniela, we've, we've got another question about nursing homes. So can you read that for us?
3: Sure. The question is, hello, Mr. Connors. If my husband enters a nursing home, what is my financial responsibility for this? This is a second marriage, and I alone own my apartment and have a
4: 401k worth approximately 900000 How do I protect my finances? This is from Betty from Staten Island. Well, if, if this is the question, if that, if that is all the major assets, you're starting off in pretty good shape. If the apartment is in your name alone... And you have a 401k, 401k in theory is not an asset for Medicaid. So basically, but the one thing I would say that you, you make sure who the beneficiaries are in your 401k, because one thing we don't want is put your husband on as beneficiary in your 401k, and then something happens to you and, and a good part of that money is going to go pay for his nursing home bills. The other thing, the same thing with the, uh, with the what is it, a co-op or condo here? On my apartment, so we don't know if it's a co-op or condo. Either way, we should try to put the co-op or the condo in a trust so it goes to whatever beneficiaries you choose it to go to. And again, we want to limit the rights of your husband to put a claim in against the estate. Same thing, we want to limit Medicaid to put a claim in against the estate. So we want to avoid probate. We do that. You have beneficiaries on the 401k. You put your apartment, whether it's a condo, is a little bit easier. We just sign a deed over. If it's a co-op, then we have to go through the co-op board And get approval from the co-op to transfer it into a trust and the facts that you gave me before medicaid would not put a claim in for you for support because basically the 401k ira money is exempt and the and the residence is exempt so unless there are other major assets you should be home clear even if you have a million dollars in cash, Medicaid may ask for support. But at that point, you're, you're only going to be paying pennies on the dollars. The average cost of a nursing home in Staten Island is pretty close to about $15,000 a month. So if you want don't want to pay that bill, you make sure your husband's under $15,000, $15,750, let's say during the month of February. You can get him below 15750 on February 29th, on March 1st, the first day of the month following the transfer, you can apply for him for nursing home Medicaid. Now, hopefully he's mentally competent or you have a power of attorney and there are a lot of other problems or difficulties that can pop up in here. But basically, if your husband switches his assets over to your name before February 29th, March 1st, the first day of the month following the transfer, he can apply for medical assistance Medicaid to pay for his nursing home bill. Now, depending on your income, how much you have an income and how much he has an income, part of his income is good shot with. if you have a $900,000 401k. A good shot part of his income is going to go to the nursing home, but virtually all the assets can be saved. Now, yes, the city does reserve a right to sue for support, but in the facts in front of us right now, there's really no assets they can attach. The 401k is exempt. The residence is exempt. So unless there are other major assets, you're, you're in pretty good shape. Now, if you have any questions about you know, Medicaid, and somebody's going to a nursing home, please, if you give us a call at Connors & Sullivan at 718-238-6500, 718 718- 238-6500. There are a lot of stories going out there. You, you know, you talk to a neighbor, you read stuff off the internet, and listen. Some some of the some of the articles in the internet are very good, but some of them are not. And you got to remember, a lot of times when people write these stories, it might be somebody who graduated from law school writing a blog who really doesn't know anything about how it works with nursing homes day in day out. You know, you can, you can only learn so much from the book. You have to be out there practicing in the field to know what's going on as far as estate planning, elder law. Nursing homes. So don't listen to a neighbor. Don't read an article over the internet. Don't necessarily rely on the advice of a social worker. They may be well meaning, but they may not know the law. And, and, and there are exceptions all the time. Uh, the, the one exception, if you have a disabled child, there are a lot of things that we can do a blind or disabled child. So if you're in that crisis situation, give us a call Connors and Sullivan. Again, we have offices in Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, and Manhattan. Now we're
2: going to take a short break. We'll
4: be back in a couple of minutes. You're listening to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors.
2: speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now 888-943-2646 or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com/fmelia. Once again, call 888-943-2646 and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement.
0: Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank and MLS number
8: 403503. We all know someone who's been touched by cancer. It's the second leading cause of death, and it took the life of my father, John Wayne. But even in his final days, he was thinking about helping others and publicly campaigning to raise awareness about cancer. His courage and grit inspired our family to do everything we could to fight the big C, as my dad called it. So, we did something about it and founded the John Wayne Cancer Institute 35 years ago to advance life saving research. Our discoveries are fundamentally changing the way cancer is treated around the world. Cures are within our reach, but we can't do it alone. I'm Patrick Wayne, and I'd be honored if you joined us in the fight against cancer. You can make a lasting legacy by helping to eradicate this deadly disease. Together, we can save lives. To learn more, visit jwcigiving.org. That's jwcigiving.org.
0: Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike. Welcome to the Connor's Corner
4: segment of Ask the Lawyer. With me right now is Michael Pack. There's a documentary out, Created Equal Clarence Thomas in His Own Words. Welcome to Connor's Corner. Michael. Thank you. Good to be here. Okay, so obviously the documentary is, is about Clarence Thomas. Why did you get involved in making this documentary? What was your motivation?
6: I, I I had heard from mutual friends that Justice Thomas was getting tired of having his story and his legacy defined by his enemies, uh, tired of half-truths and untruths said about him. So I met with him. At that time, I didn't know. I didn't know my relationship the confirmation hearings in 1991 but in meeting with him and researching him i discovered that he had a great life story you know born in dire poverty in the segregated south and from there to the supreme court and it was through, through many twists and turns it was just a great american story and i wanted to tell it
4: tell the audience a little bit what was clarence thomas what what was his childhood where where did he grow up he grew
6: he was born in pinpoint a gullah speaking area on the coast of georgia His mother was poor. His father left before he could even remember. And then when he was six years old, she took him from Pinpoint to Savannah, where, as he said, he went from rural poverty to urban squalor. And in Savannah, he didn't have enough to eat. He was cold in the winter. His mother would take him to school, and he would just leave school and wander around the streets of Savannah. No one cared. And after several years of this, his mother, who was then working as a maid, realized she couldn't take care of just brother, and brought them to her father, his grandfather, to raise. His grandfather had a small home heating oil business, and he changed Justice Thomas's life. He gave him self-discipline, hard work, tough love. Uh, even though he himself was functionally illiterate, he believed in schooling and sent uh, Justice Thomas and his brother to a local... Parochial school, he was a Catholic. Although segregated, it was run by Irish nuns who also gave Justice Thomas self-discipline, hard work, and a good education. And Justice Thomas thrived in that environment, and he even decided he wanted to become a priest. And that was sort of his early years.
4: Again, when, when you start talking about this, this is a remarkable story. This is Supreme Court justice. He didn't have the advantages of parents being lawyers, doctors, whatever, and top schools and things like that.
6: Well, well, that's right. I mean, he is further behind, hard to even imagine. I mean, you know, I met some of the people he grew up with in Pinpoint and Savannah, and even now, I mean, there, some of them could barely write and read. You know, even his grandfather, the greatest man in his life, couldn't really read, you know, could kind of make out a few words here and there. To go from that, that background to the Supreme Court is incredible. And it didn't, it wasn't a straight line. I mean, he went from Studying to be a priest and then getting disenchanted with the church, losing his faith, getting caught up in black radicalism in the 60s and in college, and only gradually coming back to his grandfather's value and, and his faith. So it's not a straight-line journey, and it's an incredible story. It's, it's very much an American story. It could only happen here.
4: I guess a lot of the—and and I intend to see the documentary, but I, I guess a lot of it has to do with the confirmation hearings, which— Brings us back to, to Kavanaugh that there were some similarities.
6: Yes, I think it, 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 when you see it, it's almost like the same playbook. Uh, it, it is really eerie. But but so the documentary, I think it's important for your listeners to know, is called Clarence Thomas in his own words because it's based on 30 hours of interviews I conducted with Justice Thomas and his wife over a six month period, and they're the only ones that interviewed. And really, the film is Justice Thomas looking right at the audience, telling his very dramatic personal story, in his own words, to the viewer. So, when we get to the hearings, he describes what it was like, from his point of view, to experience that. And it's an, an amazing and difficult time for him.
4: From what I remember, it, it was extraordinary, the pressure he was under, the you uh, know hearsay, hearsay stories.
6: That's right. I mean... Uh, you know, he he had already gone through a, a first confirmation hearing, and for, for the Judiciary Committee, very focused on abortion and Roe. And then, then only later, after the committee had even sent his name forward to the full Senate, where Anita Hill's allegations leaked, and then this the Judiciary Committee reconvened, and and so it was kind of, it, it, and she, I mean, in, in light of today's Me Too movement, maybe your younger listeners. Don't remember what the charges were. I mean, they were serious charges, but they were not like the Harvey Weinstein charges that are being litigated now. I mean, he was not accused of any physical assault. He was accused of talking about pornographic movies, saying inappropriate things, things that are, are unquestionably harassment, but but not in the in the physical assault part. And she said that one thing happened, Anita Hill, and he said they did not happen. So for, and from Crimes' point of view, which is how we see it in the film, he, she was someone he helped, someone he liked, someone he actually thought was one of his supporters, even though she was someone who hated Ronald Reagan, for whom they worked together. And so it was a shocking thing for him when these allegations occurred. They seemed to him to come out of nowhere. He thought the hearings were almost over, and, and back they came. So that's right. And, and at that time, the American public were shocked to hear these things discussed you know, in the Senate of the United States of America.
4: Did he think about withdrawing his name from nomination?
6: He did not. I mean, he felt that his reputation was on the line. He says in the film he would rather die than withdraw. He thought it was a matter of honor defending the principles of his grandfather and the Irish nuns who raised him. I do think there was a lot of pressure on George H.W. Bush, who nominated him to withdraw his name, even very much. Some of them. To his credit, the president did not um, put any pressure on Thomas to withdraw or ask him to withdraw. I think the people thought at that time that just the charges alone would make Justice Thomas withdraw. And I think they may even have implied that to Anita Hill, but, but they did not. He's a very, you know, he... He says in the movie that when he was born, his mother said he was too stubborn to cry, and that marked his character. He is not someone to give up.
4: Do you know what whatever happened to Anita Hill? Where is she today?
6: I believe she's still a professor at Brandeis. I mean, she was a law professor when the hearings happened, and she sort of moved up in the hierarchy. But she's also, you know, dubbed the uh, Rosa Parks of the sexual harassment movement, and. Um, uh, the Me Too movement, and when Me Too came around, I mean, they, you know, they, they gave her a lot of attention. She is heading up a Hollywood-based committee for dealing with sexual harassment, and she's sort of a hero. Of those that believed her, um, and in fact, when the hearings were over in 1991, the public believed Clarence Thomas over Anita Hill two to one, including African Americans, including women. But in, but as we said earlier in this in our talk, Justice Thomas's enemies did not stop. He stopped, but they did not stop you know, putting out their version of events. And so finally, through, I think, lots of misleading information, the public has come to believe in Anita Hill and not Clarence Thomas, which is one reason why I think he wants to get his side of the story out there. Um, so she has become kind of a heroine.
4: Clarence Thomas today. Uh, mm-hmm. What? Did you go through his legacy on the court and what he's accomplished over the years?
6: We we did. I mean, and because we tell his life story, I, we, we give you a sense of how his jurisprudence comes out of his life, his experience with segregation, and on the other hand, his experience with failed liberal programs like affirmative action define his jurisprudence. I mean, it's called created equal because – of Thomas's reliance on the principles of the Declaration and mm-hmm. the minimalist reading of the Constitution, which he discusses at the end part of the film. Um, but it's not so much... The film is really not primarily a discussion of court cases. It is primarily a discussion of his very dramatic life. I mean, even at the period when he rejected the, the church and rejected the values of his grandfather and was in college... Helping form you know a black radical supporting Stokely carmichael and angela davis and and Malcolm X, and then having to go through that and think his way out of that is a dramatic and unusual story to tell and and those are the personal stories that justice Thomas tells. I mean it's really his personal story. It ends on the court, but it is very much a personal emotional story.
4: what was the vote to? confirm him as the uh, justice?
6: It was the closest at the time. It was, I think, 52 to 48. Remember, it was a Democratic-told Senate at that point. Uh, Joe Biden was the chair of his committee. And um, there were like six or seven Democratic switchers and two or three Republican switchers, but then there were conservative Southern Democrats that felt they couldn't, they couldn't vote against an African-American like Justice Thomas. So, it, it, but it, it, it was the beginning of, a, of the kind of politics uh, that we see today. Um, let me just say that uh, if your listeners want to see the whole movie, it is yeah. playing in New York. It's at the Village East Cinema and the AMC Empire, you know, on 42nd Street, west of Times Square. And they can go to our website, justasthomasmovie.com, where all the theaters are listed, and they can see our trailer. And if they're not, happy with the theaters we've got, if there's a group of them and that they could sign up and we could make a an event happen in a closer theater to them. But it is a the theater all week and maybe next week, but surely through Thursday. So I appeal to your listeners to go either to the Village East or the AMC Empire in New York.
4: Now, how, how would somebody get around let's say buying out a theater or you know, to in case the, in case let's say it, it the, the time goes and it's not there at AMC?
6: Good question. If they go to our ThomasMovie.com, there's a way to sign up. And if there's a group of them, like 30 or 40, we can make an event happen in their area. But the first step is to go to the website and fill out the form. And especially if you can indicate that you've got a group, we can make it happen. But it's not that hard to arrange a screening in your area. All you've got to do is go to our website, com, and sign up. There's a place on the website a form that you can fill out. If there's a group of 30 or, or more of you, we can make an event happen. But you can go. You should go see it in New York City. It's not that hard to go to the Village East or the Empire. You know, I appeal to your listeners to, to go. Often people more sympathetic to Justice Thomas are the kinds that don't show up for films. But the people, the, the on the other hand, the, the other side, really, of the political spectrum has made the uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg documentary, RBG hit, they showed up for, for the movies. I think people, of all political points of view, should see this film. I appeal to people to bring their children and bring people with whom they don't necessarily agree.
4: Michael, thank you very much for making this documentary. I think it's going to have an effect on, on our history.
6: I hope it does. He's, I hope it restores Justice Thomas to his rightful place and dispels myths about him. Thank you for having me
4: on. Thank you again.
3: How can I protect my family if something happens to
0: me?
1: What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's
5: the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of grandpa?
3: Hello, this is Father Frank Pavone of Priests for Life. The pro-life movement is winning. One of the signs of progress is the growing mountain of medical evidence that abortion harms women, men, and families. Even researchers who identify themselves as pro-choice are coming to this conclusion and publishing their research. Abortion advocates try to hide and bury this information. But so much of it continues to come out that their efforts to hide it will not succeed much longer. Abortion really destroys itself. The more it continues, the more it reveals itself as an enemy of the human family. Those who advocate abortion say they care about women's health. But if they do, then they will have no honest rationale for ignoring the harm that abortion does. As the mountain of medical evidence against abortion grows, so should our hope that it will end. This is Father Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life.
5: When a desperate parent calls YCS seeking help for their child with special needs, we are there to answer the call.
1: Our staff provides compassionate care to children affected by trauma, autism, or developmental disabilities. Can you help us provide the services needed to keep families together? Find out how you, your company, or organization can volunteer. Learn more at YCS.org.
4: Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. You know, we're very happy, very pleased to have on Father Paul, our missionary friend from the Middle East, specifically Lebanon. Welcome back to the States, Father.
7: Good afternoon. Thank you so much, Mr. Connors and dear Beth and all of you guys, whoever is listening. uh, So nice to see you and hear you back. Happy New Year to everyone.
1: Oh, you too.
7: What's going on in Lebanon right now? oh good lord you know this is like a a challenge for for um the whole lebanese population so as you know uh, the the country is actually uh, um under uh, um, a social revolution financial uh, crisis um a job market is actually disappearing especially for the younger generation all of this because of the corruption of course we've learned recently in that in lebanon a lot of money that that was given to by foreign aid to help uh, Lebanese economy, all those money ended up in the private accounts of a lot of Lebanese politicians, and people are angry because uh, they are already having a hard time. It's hard to get a job. It's hard to have a regular life. There's no electricity, as you remember. So, for example, the dysfunctional electricity system showed uh, all of us recently how weak the government is and how how far they are from people's expectations you know we, we have to pay excessive excessive fees uh, for access to private generators so even for for the clinic that we have the medical one why why should we buy extra uh, generators uh, if, if the government's supposed to be the one providing electricity, you know what I'm saying? This is like a basic right for people to have electricity and access to water. So all of this just—it's gone because of the corruption, because of of many years of lies that the government was was uh, was making up for for uh, Lebanese population. So people are angry and upset, and there is a violence as well. It's very violent. Because, uh, you know, it's it's hard to measure the anger that people have or the rage, but it's palpable. So uh, we have such a hard time. And I try to get to the the U.S. uh, two or three times. And, you know, when all those roads are are locked up or shut down, it's it's all about because of the situation. So we need your prayers. And the Christian community, uh, especially the northern part, it's such a hard time for them because... I cannot perform any any medical help or any medical surgeries if I don't have electricity and i it, it's really heartbreaking to send uh, those Christian patients back just because we have no proper uh, equipment or we have no electricity or we are running out of medications. why because nothing is coming into Lebanon because of the revolution so we need your prayers but I uh, keep my hope alive but I'm very very upset and I usually am very usually I'm very positive but what's going on now it doesn't look well.
4: Now what is the role of Hezbollah in Lebanon?
7: Well hezbollah they they they, uh, they say they're protecting Lebanon from uh, from, uh, from Israel uh, and they try to fight against um, an idea of Israel occupying Lebanon. but in this uh, in this time when the revolution is on, uh, they try to kind of alleviate people's stress by saying, that they will be doing what's best for for people, and uh, the thing is that we are talking about the same people in politics uh, like Hezbollah or other uh, uh, groups who are in, uh, in in Lebanese politics for years, and nothing has changed. So people are of course upset and angry because they don't want to see the same faces or the same people being charged. They want new people. They want the end of the corruption. They would like to, uh, especially Christians, they would like to have a a, a prospective kind of you know life uh, to see what they can do, what they can achieve. Younger generation, you know, it's almost fifty-eight, fifty-nine percent without a job, or if they will have a job, it's also you know with a very low salary if they will get the job. So Hezbollah, in this case, is is representing the same group of people that we were in charge for years. So nothing's going to change if they will keep going the same way.
4: A few weeks ago, one of our guests, Robert Spencer, said Iranian funding in Hezbollah has been cut down if not eliminated.
7: Well, that's a strong statement. Um, Politically, if you see from the inside, I don't see it that way because they have so many different ways to provide uh financial support. Uh I mean Iran. So I'm not sure that it was totally eliminated. I doubt it. And I didn't see it that way when I was when I was there. I think it's still somehow there's a dif- different channeling of money that we are not aware of. But I'm I would never say it was it was cut off for, for, forever. I don't think so. It's 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 too far, the statement. But, um, you know, that's what I see from the inside. You know, I'm not into, you know, political analysis, um, but uh, I don't think so. It, it's over. I don't think so.
4: I mean, let's uh, I may be putting you on the spot a little bit here, but do you have any comments about President Trump killing Soleimani in, in, in Iraq?
7: But that's a, that's a, the entire discussion is that um, they wanted to do this a few years ago. And uh, whatever the plan was, um, you know, it's it's like they eliminated someone who was very dangerous from the entire region. Um, it's hard to say it was it, 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 is it the only solution to go for, but in this case, they actually eliminated someone who was jeopardizing the whole peace process in in the in our region. So uh, um, I I wouldn't say that. It was something that uh, you know he shouldn't he shouldn't go for.
4: Let me ask you this. Do you have any thoughts of, uh, about whether there's going to be peace, the Palestinian peace plan? Are they going to have peace between the Palestinians and, and Israel? I'm, I'm
7: gonna be very honest with you. It's very hard to have a peace if another nation is supervising another nation and keeping you as a secondary citizen uh, in this case. Uh, what's the peace plan that Israel will take care of Palestinians? That that's a, that's a very wrong direction because uh, Palestinians would never agree. They would never uh, go for it. And and already the Palestinian aut- autonomy, they they um, they. Um, they decided to to cut off any relationships with with the US and and Israel i think it, and i truly believe after all these years that two state solution is the only solution that we should go for which means palestine and israel separately two state solution otherwise we will be having never ending conflicts and problems and we see the, we see it uh, anyway all the time
4: let's let's go back just a little bit some people in the audience they may have heard you, you know, a dozen times on the show, some people are hearing you for the first time. Can can you give the audience a little bit of your background?
7: Correct. So, I'm um I'm a very um interesting person. <laughs> <laughs> if you have any questions, you can find me on on eharmony.com. No, oh, I'm kidding.
1: Please. <laughs> I'm a
7: Franciscan friar. I'm a Franciscan friar. I'm a physician and and I just love people and I think helping People, it's the, 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 the highest level of, of love. And I tried to do this for almost 20 years. And um, so, so at Middle East for me, the, the, the entire region, Jordan, Lebanon, and Syria, those are places that are uh, in my heart, people, beautiful people, very generous, very kind. And so I decided to spend the rest of my life with them and I share with them the same anger the The one I just mentioned, lack of electricity, lack of you know uh, medications or the the future. So this is what i'm exactly I'm trying to do. and uh, can you believe that in twenty first century, I'm walking around asking people for some money so I can buy extra uh, generators to to perform medical surgeries. Can you believe it? twenty first century? twenty first century. And I'm asking to have some support for 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 electrical. Um you know equipment and stuff so but i'm I'm not gonna give up it's just it is what it is and I have to go for it. but uh, i'm a I'm into very Franciscan mood, which means to be a rebel because St. Francis was a rebel, and the Franciscan movement it's all about saying enough is enough.
4: Can you comment in a l- little bit on that? What is the Franciscan movement
7: so St Francis from Assisi. Uh, one day he said that we are going in the opposite direction, which means we don't actually, we are not following the gospel. We are following our our ego, our own um, expectations, forgetting what's really important. So one day he said, well, let me create a, a movement where people will gather together and we will re." Edit or reorganize our um, life expectations, where the gospel should be the very first one to analyze and to go for. So he created that that uh, beautiful movement to people who were excluded from the society, uh, people who felt that they're like outsiders or even pariah. So Saint Francis from Assisi, he created that that space for people who felt. Um, uh, awkwardly outside of the society. And till now, that Franciscan movement, it's all about the justice and helping people who are facing lack of justice. That's what we do, Franciscan.
4: And and what, what specifically is your mission? Because again, some people are hearing you for the first time today.
7: Okay, so uh, I uh, had the chance to combine two things in my life. First, three things, actually, three things. First, I love sweets. Second thing, I love being a Franciscan. And the third thing, I'm a physician and I enjoy it and I love it. And this is something that gives me so much opportunity to meet people and just help them to, to feel better. That's what I'm doing.
4: I think we're going to try to have a mass, you know, in Bay Ridge on, uh, what is, what, what's the date? March 27th? March 27th.
7: Okay. March 27th, 4 p.m. We will be celebrating beauty, if you will
4: anybody's invited to that so anybody listening to our voices right now is more than welcome to come
7: yes our lady of angels uh Ridge church beautiful place to go uh march 27 4 p.m yes it's gonna be amazing so my friends whoever is listening to us please stop by and we will feed you with hope with joy with a little bit of sarcasm and with pure love
4: and afterwards, we might have some pizza and pasta.
7: Exactly, and yes, there is hope that someone will feed all of us. So there is hope for for us. Thanks to Beth and Mr. Conner. So thank you so much for that.
1: Well, we've we've been missing you, and we've been you've been in our prayers all along.
7: I know, and I feel it. That's why I'm still alive, and that's why I'm I'm not you know just simply frustrated, but I see that there is hope. It's all about because of your prayers and your support and and your help and your presence. That helps a lot. That helps a lot.
1: Well, we're going to be talking about how we can... We, our listeners, our friends, how we can all help you monetarily because I know you know those, ge- you need all those generators. So we're going to be talking yes, about correct. that. We'll talk about it on the air later on and we'll figure of out course. some way, some way that we can help you.
7: Absolutely. Thank you so much. I'm I'm so sorry that I bother you with uh, nothing fancy, like, no. just, you know, uh, generators, but this no. is the reality I'm in and any help uh, you know any help is is more more than welcome i'm i'm going to be very grateful you're for not, that
1: you you're not you're not bothering us at all we we've got to we've got to help you more on the air when we can and um well uh, the mass i do you know i how nice would it be for just anybody who's in the neighborhood or wants to come visit us or whatever could come to mass and we would all pray together pray again. Correct.
7: That would be beautiful. Absolutely, Beth. You're absolutely right. And because God is present and uh, we can also feel his presence and that's how the uh, healing process can start, thanks to him. So uh, absolutely. March 27th, 4 p.m., Our Lady of Angels Church, Bay Ridge. We will be there. 74th Street,
4: 74th Street and 4th Avenue, 4 o'clock, 4 p.m. And it's,
7: you're, ah, a,
1: you're okay. a block away from the office, and you can s- come see all the toy soldiers. Every, Correct, yeah. I, I it, keep inviting very important, people to yeah. come over and see the toy soldiers. Well, how about that? We'll come and we'll pray for you. We'll pray for all the people in Lebanon, the Middle East. And we'll we'll come and we'll eat some pizza and have some salad and look at some toy soldiers and see and and figure out how we can help you. We love you. We love love all the people over in Lebanon. And I just hope we can do something real, substantial. Thank you
7: so much. Thank you so much. So I'm sure they feel that connection because they know, um, uh, thanks to my experience, that they know how, how helpful you are. We've been already been helped by you many, many times for medical equipment, Uh, so we're over grateful. And uh, um, anyone who's listening to us, if you're gonna be with us March 27th at 4 p.m. Our Lady of Angels. uh, After the Eucharist, we can have a nice, uh, you know, Italian food or sandwiches, and we can also analyze the Battle of Gettysburg for the Civil War with oh, Mr. Connells,
1: yet because again. he's the only one who knows all
7: those details. So uh, be our guest, my friend, whoever is listening to us.
1: Well, we love you, Father Paul. We love you so much. I love
7: you too, my friend. So, thank you so much. So thank you for the time. So for
1: everything you do.
7: Well, thank you. And uh, I'm still alive, thanks to your prayers and your presence. So that's very much appreciated. Thank you so much.
4: Thank you. You know, thanks again for Father Paul to take time out of his busy schedule to, to talk to the listeners of I've asked a lawyer now, Beth, on March 27th, what's your plan for the day for the event?
1: Well, I'm hoping we, you know, we've in the past, we've had a a special fundraiser for Father Paul. But because of his schedule, that he has not been able to be here, you know, that he's had to go back and forth. um, He traditionally has done a mass for us once, sometimes twice a year and he will be doing the mass that day but um i'm hoping that maybe our listeners and our friends can um use the mass as a fundraiser for him um we'll send out notices you know y'all that know us that are on our email list um we're going to michael young michael and i are going to draft something to send out to everybody and um when you think that he needs generators so that he can do his surgeries yes we've helped in the past with um equipment medical equipment and things but i mean i think it's very important that um we can help him with his generators this year he he comes up with a request for us each year and surely with our friends if if we all get together the burden is light. If we all get together and give some a little, you know, a, please a little bit. We're not people that are asking you to help us pay our mortgage or something. This is for generators for his surgery. So that's, you'll hear more about it but that's what I'm hoping we can do. That we can use our mass and be grateful and with what we can let's help him get his surgery equipped with generators that work
4: all right okay so we're you know coming to the end of our show this week everybody knows it's black history month which is why we had alveda king on last week and partly where we're talking about clarence thomas this week but next week we're going to go to baseball everybody knows i'm a baseball (laughs) fan here we're going to talk to jeremy beer who has a book out about oscar charleston and beth
1: you have any comments on that well i want to know more about him okay that's what i want to do I want to learn all about him.
4: Oscar Charleston to the whole thing. Yeah,
1: and I did not grow up with bait, loving baseball the way my husband did. So he knows that I'm someone that always needs to be tutored.
4: All right, well I think you've run us out of time. So
1: now David Kate <laughs> is telling us
4: we have to go go home. But thank you for listening to Ask the with me, Mike Connors, accompanied today by my wife, Beth.
1: Bye bye, everybody.
0: Whether you need help with drafting a will or trust, power of attorney, health care proxy, living will, or protecting your assets from nursing home costs, Connors & Sullivan's goal is always the protection of your rights and interests. The professionals at Connors & Sullivan have been helping people like you plan their estates and protect their families for over 30 years. I'm Mike Connors. Come to our office for a free initial consultation. Talk with me
4: or one of our experienced attorneys to see how we can help you protect your family, your assets, and your legacy. There is no one.
0: The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC.